Joe Dowdy on the High Motor Podcast. Chase Kitty here to chat, to shoot the shit, drop some heat, unleash that beast after celebrating the big 2-9 over the weekend. Did you have a little bit of fun in Richmond, VA over the weekend with the big 2-9? Evidently, I had a great time. Do you feel 29? No, absolutely not. I'm teaching an advanced PE class right now in a high school, which I can't believe for any number of reasons, but they call me sir and like Mr. Chase or Mr. Kitty because this is the South and that's a thing, Mr. First name. It's just weird. I'm not used to it yet. Is it really the South? Uh, I I think culturally there are some parts of the South, but yeah, I I get what you're You know what's weird is that, and you can speak to this more than I can, and it feels like if you were in Roanoke, I would say that's the South, even though geographically it's what, like? 30 miles south of you oh it's it's not that close but yeah it's the same state i mean no i mean not distance wise but like north south like actually looking at the the latitude yeah it's still more than that it's still more than 30 we are four weeks out from selection sunday four weeks and some change depending on when you're listening and we're gonna get to your wrong and some other stuff in a bit but first so on monday we're recording this on tuesday on monday joel sherman of the new york post dropped a bomb of a baseball story saying that the MLB is considering expanding the playoffs from five to seven teams. If you have not seen it, best record gets a buy in the, uh, to the divisional round. Other two division winners plus the best record wild card will host three-game series, the best records getting to pick their opponent. I hate it. I think it's radical. I think it's stupid. I think they're trying to fix a problem that does not exist. It seems like it's the the latest in a series of radical proposals from Commissioner Rob Manfred, uh, whom Trevor Bauer called a joke on Monday night, which is accurate. I think that his reign has been a joke, and even though we haven't seen banning the shift instituted yet, it seems like we're going in that direction. And even though we haven't seen this instituted yet, if they are strongly considering it, and Sherman was right that they are strongly considering it for 2022, it seems like, again, there's this fixation with fixing things that don't need to be fixed while other actual problems exist. I think Bauer nailed it. So here's what I want to ask you, sir. If Rob Manfred was in charge of college football and or college basketball, you can pick either or both, doesn't matter. If Rob Manfred was in charge of college football or college basketball, what radical changes do you think would actually come to the sport? Uh, I'm trying to think of like what the parallel would be. So if Rob Manfred's in charge of college football, um, thinking about the shift parallel, the banning the shift, if Rob Manfred's in charge of college football, does he mandate it that you have to run the ball on first down? I'm thinking more and more because they want to ban the shift because they, they want more offense, right? That that seems to be yeah. the problem. They want to attract the younger crowd who, do, who wants points and runs and all that stuff. And you know what? It is to defend him a little bit for a second. I, I don't think you ban the shift because that's dumb and you don't ban like – what is this? Like Italy in the 1940s? Like this is dumb. But – you, it is lame watching like, oh, wow, nice hit through the end. It's it's a shift. Okay, that's an out. Like, it's that is lame. That is so you don't think lame. it's that radical of a proposal? No, I think it's a radical proposal to ban a type of defense in baseball. Like, that, like we're not talking about banning one thing. You're talking about banning an entire philosophy. So, so that, that in, in sort of a libertarian sense is really lame and you shouldn't be able to do that in a sport. But I also understand where like if you watch the shift and you're like that should be a hit except now for some reason because it's 2020 and we have the shift in baseball, it's not a hit. It is kind of lame. 
So the, those two things don't square for me. But So wh- when I think of banning the shift, I'm more going toward why are they doing it? They're doing it to get more offense. And even though I don't think there's a perfect comparison for football, the closest thing that I can think of would be to ban huddles and like drop the play clock to 18 or 20 seconds. Do you think that's a fair comparison where that would produce more excitement and more offense without actually saying we're going to ban a certain type of defense or a certain type of route? Yeah, so I guess you're going for more of a thematic parallel. Right. Um, and yeah, I, I mean, if, if you were if you were going to go into college football and say, okay, how can we, if you were going to XFL this, right, how can we make this as fan-friendly as possible? We want to be pornographic with our transparency on how we're trying to court your interest. Uh, yeah, ban huddles. Uh, what's, what's the play clock now? Let's drop that to like 24. Like let's go NBA shot clock for college football play clock. We just, we want the score to be 110 to 103. Yeah. I can't think of something that would be equivalent to, to banning an entire defensive formation. I mean, it, it would have to be something like, yeah, it would be like banning nickelbacks. There, yeah, yeah, there you go. I was thinking more like how in Arena League you can have the guy run up to the, to the line of scrimmage as you're snapping the ball. It needs to be something like that. Obviously, that's pretty radical, but it needs to be something where you're completely changing yeah. some sort of schematic you're only allowed thing. four defensive backs. Yeah, and you're I think to, to have more than four defensive backs on the field. And I think doing that for basketball, I also can't think of a perfect parallel there, but I think it would be similar. Putting the shot clock in basketball down to like, it got down a few years ago. I think it was like four or five years ago now that we've been at 30. Maybe it goes down to 25, 24, whatever. But again, I see Manfred's baseball proposals as being so much more radical than, I mean, if you drop the shot clock in college basketball to 25, it would be a significant difference because you're chopping off a sixth of the shot clock and then going back to what it was before. It's almost a third of what you're playing with four or five years ago. So, I mean, it, it to make it that radical, it seems like not only jo- dropping the shot clock to 25, it'd be like we're dropping the shot clock to 20. I think that is, is the radical nature that I'm looking for. Yeah, and it reminds me a little bit of, of when the NBA changed the way their, their shot clock reset works. I, I still don't think people understand how different it is and how much it contributes to the higher scores that we see in the NBA. Now it's not just about the three point revolution. It's, Hey, you get an offensive board. It's not reset shot clock. You only have 14 seconds to put a shot back up and just how it affects the pace. But that's what college basketball did this year with the 20. Yeah. So yeah, maybe it's something like that. Maybe it's like a four point line. I mean, I know that that has kind of been thrown around. I don't know if it's a serious proposal in college basketball or the NBA. I think in NBA circles, it's talked about a little bit more, but maybe it's a four point line. I mean, with with the more and more emphasis away, did you see that graphic that somebody tweeted? It was probably two weeks ago now. I think it was an NBA graphic where they said the it was like the diagram of the court, like where you see a shot chart. And it was these shots taken, I think it was 10 or 15 years ago. It was kind of all over the board. I mean, you have your cluster on the three-point line. You have your cluster on the ba- the basket. But you still had a lot of mid-range shot. You had a lot of shots from the elbow. You had a lot of long-range two-point shots. And then going back to either this year or last year, they had a shot chart. And it was basically everything within two Corner feet of the bucket. Threes, wing, or a three. Or layup, yeah. Yeah, it was like it was no jump shot or any sort of shot between like 
seven and twenty feet. Yeah. Or whatever. I don't even know what the three point line is in the NBA right now. Is it still like twenty two nine or something or twenty three? It's up there, yeah. And yeah. you know who's done a good job talking about this is like Bill Simmons and Ryan Rosillo mm-hmm. talking about how the nerds have ruined basketball. They've already ruined baseball and now they're coming to ruin basketball. And to some extent that's true, right? Like I, I grew up playing basketball in an older era where like twelve foot high post shot, that was my shot. Uh, you know, like that, that, that's where I went on the floor. Like I am not very tall. If I went into the paint for a layup, my shit was getting thrown into the stands. Right. But I, I liked to work the court a little bit and I liked to have my spots. Nobody except for like, you know, the Spurs and, you know, one or two other people are, are taking 14 foot shots in the NBA right now and, and college basketball, you know, I think it it varies by team uh, because you have so much more coaching parity in college basketball. There's so many different styles to do it and zones and man and all that stuff. It, it's a bummer that the heat charts look like they do now in the NBA where it's just like I'm taking a corner three, I'm dunking, I'm hitting free throws, or I'm doing the James Harden step back, throw you to the ground, wing three from 31 feet. Like it's, it's, it kind of sucks. Quick sidebar here, because I'm going to be thinking about this entire podcast if I don't just talk about it. You said that you would get your shit tossed if, if you try to go into the lane. Maybe six or seven years ago, I was working for this blog. And, I mean, it was just like one of the typical blogs that popped up, you know, back 10, 15 years ago, where it was the short, quick hit post. And I was doing one thing on where a guy just got his ass kicked. I think it was in football or something. He got lit up. And my title was, whatever player, Jerry Smith gets his salad tossed. I wasn't oh aware God. I wasn't aware when I wrote that what salad tossed meant. <laughs> turns out, Chase, turns out it doesn't mean you just got I mean yeah, you got your ass kicked in a certain type of way, but it doesn't just mean that you got hit. Yeah, I'm I, aware of that. I thought I did. <laughs> So for those of you who are listening, Urban Dictionary, that one, if you don't know make it. Sure, make sure you're incognitoing that. I didn't know what it meant. To work. And it was so funny that we just left it because it turns like when you, when you tweeted it, then people were like, do you guys know what salad toss meant? Well, sure. You got a whole different type of audience on that post. It was interesting. That, that is an optimization uh, hole that you don't necessarily want to dig too far into. I wonder if I can still find it. Maybe after this pod, I'm going to go see if I can find it and go back and look at those comments and look at those tweets because, yeah, it was interesting. We were just like a typical sports blog. That I mean, we were maybe, maybe just we, search on Twitter for salad toss and see if you can find it. I don't want to do that. Well, must not if, want it that bad. If. If Rob Manfred, we talked a lot about basketball. If Rob Manfred was in charge of football, what would he be doing? Would he be doing something? This is what I came up with one of them. I'm curious your your opinion on this. Would he say, let's turn conference championships into a four-team playoff? So the top four teams from each conference make their own little conference playoff, and then they play for the conference title. Would he do? I think that is beyond radical, and I think that's kind of the the scope the parallel to what he has been proposing here do you think he would do that um i don't because more money i don't think the expanded baseball playoff is that crazy really i don't and i'll tell you why 
I love the wild card the way it is. The the drama and everything. So I, I don't want to totally shit on it. Do you like hold on, no, do you like the wild card the way it is because of yes, the the in three hours we're gonna decide who's playing in the divisional series or or and or B because it gives so much more emphasis on winning the division that you're not just playing that one game because one I mean one game in any sport is a crapshoot generally. One it's, game in baseball is a total crapshoot. So which piece of that do you like it for? It's actually more of a theoretical thing for me. It, there's too much of a dissonance for me that you have a 162-game season where it's all about like law of large numbers performing over a massive amount of time that you then settle in three hours on one day. Like that's just that's a weird conflict for me that doesn't really jive. But you said you like it, though. I, I do. It's impossible to deny how compelling the wild card is. Okay. You, know, you, you can't say it's not. But on like a theoretical macro level for the sport, I don't like those two things because so it's they're almost like and Jason Churchill and I talked about this, I think, last week or two weeks ago. It's almost like you have this this 18 game or 16 game conference schedule in college basketball and a team may win it. I use the example of UC Irvine last year. I think they won the conference by five games in the regular season. And then you get to the conference tournament, and all of a sudden this team just happens to lose one game, and UC Irvine was a bad example because they ended up winning the conference tournament. But anyways, then you go to one game in the conference tournament and you lose, and then suddenly you're not conference champs. You can't deny how much fun that is. I love conference tournaments, but at the same time, I can accept what you just said, how it doesn't make any sense that we're using one game to determine to override what just happened, in this case of baseball, the last 162 games. Is that yeah, where you're it, at? It, yeah, it doesn't Got work, it. And, and I can love, I mean, that is appointment viewing, the, those wildcard games. I clear my schedule, mm-hmm. but I don't like that it, it actively makes no sense when you look at what baseball is as a whole. It doesn't make sense we reduce those spots down to one three-hour period, and then it's over. So where so you're not you don't think that Manfred in terms of a parallel of radical proposals that a good comparison you do not think it would be a four team conference playoff. Uh, what else would he propose? We can both agree that if Manfred was in college football, the playoff is eight teams. It's maybe sixteen teams, right? It seems like from what he wants with baseball, it would become that in college. It definitely football. would no longer be four teams. So what it, is there any sort of and that's eight teams is not radical. People have been calling for eight teams for a long time. 16 teams, minority there, but I still think that that's not even close to as radical as what he wants to do with I mean, we're still not even that. What are we, like two decades removed from when only a couple teams made the playoffs? I mean, they added the wild card team. I can't remember what year. But we're still, in terms of how old baseball is, we're not even that far into the wild card era. And we're only, what, seven years, I think, into the one game wild card era? So what is the, the radical parallel to college football, then, if an eighteen playoff is not that radical, sixteen teams is a little bit more. Is it saying we're going to do twenty four teams? First of all, FCS already does a twenty four team playoff. Just want to throw that in there. And I hate it. <laughs> it. It does feel like some years it's it's too much. Um, what if it's FBS is doing an eight team playoff, but to decide like that last bid, we're going to give you a G five auto bid, but. The auto bid goes to the winner of a separate G5 tournament, and you win the G5 tournament to get in. So there are like 24 teams in this G5 tournament. Sure. Or even eight or, yeah, whatever, 16 teams, something like that. What about that? That has a very wild card spin on it. You get like 
promoted out of out of the out of the B league, like on, on a soccer scale. You're you're gonna get promoted to the the top level of uh of college football for that one year for that. Okay, tournament. I like that. So what do you have for the NCAA tournament then? It, it seems like uh, kind of going with that, that Manfred would push for the the 128 team tournament. I think that's kind of similar to him pushing for an eight or a 16 team college football playoff. Where is the equivalent there? You okay? So you play the you play the NIT between conference tournaments and the NCAA tournament, and like the top four finishers in the NIT get smashed into the NCAA tournament. Like if you're UC Irvine last year and you get upset in your conference tournament, you can still backdoor your way into the NCAA tournament. I don't hate that at all. Yeah. I, I don't hate that. I think I hate the I'm first I'm just pulling shit game. out of my ass right now. Right. I don't think you even prepared for this. I didn't. Your salad has been tossed significantly it's tonight. very, very tossed salad. I've never clicked the explicit button on a podcast before. I think we're doing it for this one. <laughs> I mean, I think the, the general be. swearing will come out just naturally, but... Then again, I feel like I mean, how many how many kids under sixteen are listening to this, and how many kids under sixteen know what that means? They think they're just getting like inside dietetics right now. Right, right, Dad. Let's go grab a you know a bottle of Caesar from the refrigerator and whip up a salad tonight. That's a nice vinaigrette that you uh, you and Mom have in your bedroom. Why do you keep it there though? I don't understand. <laughs> you want to play your wrong? Sure. We haven't done this in a while. I think last time you were on, I don't think we played. Uh, and I wanted to play it this week because it had been a while. Hold on. I got to take a sip of water because I'm having way too much fun. Number one, the Oscars. I'm going to slip into the Oscars this week. It's not going to be the Irishman because I'm certain we'll never agree on that. So tell me I'm wrong on this one. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is a tremendous, borderline, legendary collection of pieces. But a mediocre movie at best. And when I say pieces... Let me clarify on that. When I say pieces, I say the acting was superb, the set design was superb, wardrobe elements might be a better word. Elements, yeah. Wardrobe, nostalgia, the the feel that they gave you of 1969 Los Angeles, the characters, all of that. Loved all of that. I did not like the final product. I thought the movie was mediocre at best, like a four or five out of ten. Tell me I'm wrong on that. Yeah, you're wrong. Uh, I get what you're going for, and if you wouldn't have gone four or five out of ten, I might have agreed with you. Okay, if I, I said I can't six, go would you be okay? Low. If I said six, I pulled four or five out of ten on my ass. I didn't think about that. I would listen to any argument. Because, like, like four, four out of ten is a bad movie. Fine. Six out of ten. Where are you at? Uh, Tell me I'm wrong on that. Tell I, me the I story was incredible. I get what you're incredible. saying, especially about the elements. Like, I, I hadn't really thought about it like that. I, you're not totally wrong there. The elements were perfect. Yeah, you're not totally perfect. wrong. I mean, the dialogue. I think I liked everything. it a little bit more than you, but I mean, that's the when you're talking about art, right? It's it's so much more subjective than when we talk about sports. So I, I'm going to say you're right, even though I wouldn't give it even like a six out of ten. I, I'm also not going to say you're wrong because I get what you're saying and I think you're right. Excellent. Number two, Luke Fickle made the smart move not taking the Michigan State job. Oh, I totally agree. I don't know, and maybe it's more of I don't think that the Michigan State job is that great with all that the university has gone through and the turnover and the, the sexual assault stuff and the former player with Mark D'Antonio and all that stuff playing the Big Ten East. 
I don't get it. And I tried to go back and look what people thought of the job before this happened. Like, I think it's every year, every other year, Athlon puts out, uh, they rank every single job in the country, not how good your team is, not how good the coach is. They rank every single job. And entering last year, I think Michigan State, now I can't remember, I think they were 24th, and I had Graham Couch on for the Lansing State Journal last, um, I think it was last Thursday maybe, and he's, I don't know if he specifically said, but I think he said it's a top 25 job, like a fringe top 25 job. I don't understand that at all, and I don't understand where is the where is the upside of, of Luke Fickle taking that job? It's not a destination job. I agree with everything you just said, and I'll add one more thing. And, and I think this sort of crystallizes what you said uh, maybe a little bit better. Today is February 11th, okay? From today on, Michigan State, do you think they've hit rock bottom? Do you, do you think it's going to get worse or do you think it's going to get better? Well, it depends on who they hire. I mean, yeah, again, I don't we're, sitting think here tu- we're sitting here Tuesday night. I still think they can make a really good hire, but it's looking more and more. I mean, do you see their trustee went on? a radio show, and I haven't listened to it yet. I think it was this morning on Tuesday, but the tweet said that that the trustee didn't specifically say that, but he implied that Luke Fickle was a flake for not taking that job. Yeah. When you have a trustee going on in the middle of a goddamn search, to me that, that tells me this, this search is a clusterfuck. So that's what I'm worried about. Oh, I, I, who, I don't... Have you looked at like how his contract was set up? That like it 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 basically incentivized him to to leave like now here at this this D'Antonio part of the calendar. Or like this. D'Antonio, his yeah, contract or Fickle? Yeah, I know with with a million dollar. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I have a lot of. I wish I knew more about the inside workings of what has happened over the last few weeks in that program. From the outside, from ten thousand feet, I don't like what I see, and I don't know why anybody in a good G five job would ever take that job. Right? I agree. I think it's going to get worse, which means they're not going to be able to make a good hire, which means it's going to get worse on multiple fronts. Right? They're they're going to have somebody who isn't as good of a coach in a spot where the program is headed in a mm-hmm. in a wrong direction. And I mean this this has fired coach in three years written all over it. Yeah, I I just don't trust them to say you know what I think we botched this. Let's go grab Chris Creighton, great coach. Will he win 11 games with us? I don't know, but he's going to get us to eight, nine wins pretty quickly. I don't trust them, and I think that would be great. From the start, I think Chris Creighton would have been a great hire. I don't trust them to say, guys, we might have messed up over the last week. Let's bite the bullet and let's say we fucked up. Let's go get Chris Creighton. I don't trust them to do that. I think they're going to reach for somebody, whether that's Brett Bielema or whoever. I don't trust them to make the right hire here. Let's stay in the Big Ten. Number three. The Big Ten's National Championship Basketball. The Big Ten's Basketball National Championship drought is going to hit 20 years this year when a Big Ten team does not win the National Championship. I get all the other conferences beside the Big Ten. Yeah, I'll take the field. Sure. I just don't see any any way how a Big Ten team wins it this year. and It, it seems like that's changed significantly from two months ago when we were all sitting here praising what Juwan Howard was doing at, at Michigan and Ohio State was kind of rolling and Michigan State. Now Michigan State's out of the poll. Hey, side note on Michigan State being out of the poll. So on Monday, the same day that Luke Fickle turned down Michigan State for football, the basketball team became the second team since 1968 to open the season as a preseason number one before falling out of the poll entirely. So a great day for Michigan State on Monday. Good stat. I don't see how the Big Ten wins that. And it seems like you don't see it either. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, I don't know, perspective. Or is good, it more right? you just want to take all the other conferences because you're a betting man? That It's also that. It's even, I would say, primarily that. But I don't know. I think 
you have to you have to be complimentary of the Big Ten because they have a lot more quality depth this year than they've had really in mm-hmm. any recent year I can remember. I mean, hell, mm-hmm. Rutgers is good, right? But does that turn into a national championship or even like a legit contender? I don't. I don't see it. No. And it's also kind of a stupid question. It's more of of like I was talking to somebody the other day, and they said, "How many teams do you think can actually win the national championship this year?" And I tried to actually answer it because I'm a nice guy, but it's also a really stupid question because, like, I don't. If you would ask me, if can Auburn 68? win the national championship? Yeah, right? if you would ask me last year when the field came out, is Auburn a national championship contender? Can Auburn win it? I would have said no, but it's also the NCAA tournament, and Auburn was a foul away from playing for the national championship. So it's also a stupid. It's like asking you in November, yeah, who do you got in the final four this year? I don't know what what is the bracket. Well, I like Duke, Kentucky, uh, Gonzaga. They seem like they could be good this year. Uh, that kind of thing. That's I mean that's why it's just a stupid question. Yeah. So yeah, I, even if the Big Ten had two teams in the top five, you as a betting man would still go against them because of the field. Sure. But I I don't understand how a Big Ten team is going to get that done. Number four. So last year. Ten high major programs change coaches. Again, college basketball. Ten high major programs change coaches. Ten of them this year, or excuse me, ten of them last year. This year, I want to say only five high major programs will change coaches. And this is going to be a hard question for you because you didn't think about it ahead of time. You don't have a list in front of you. But I'm going to say only five programs change coaches. And let me know if somebody else jumps out that I don't name. I think Boston College changes coaches. Georgia Tech, Wake Forest, Oklahoma State, and Texas. That's all I'm seeing there. Am I wrong on that? Give me those one more time. Boston College, Georgia Tech, Oklahoma State, Wake Forest. And then Texas. And Texas. I guess start with, are you confident that— nobody in the Pac-12? No. You think the entire Pac-12 comes back? I think the entire—I mean, those are only from two conferences. I mean, yeah, it's the ACC with Boston College, Georgia Tech, and Wake Forest, and Oklahoma State in the Big 12. I think the entire Pac-12 comes back. I think the entire SEC comes back because we had a lot of SEC turnover— Last year, it kind of, I mean, we talked about so much that during the football season how all these Big 12 football coaches seemed pretty firm in their jobs. And it seems like to me, unless you're looking in the ACC or the Big 12, I have a really hard time trying to find another high major coach that I'm confidently saying he will be gone after this season. And if you want, you can say that a high major coach is going to leave for a, a different program. Like if Georgia Tech opens up, maybe they poach another high major coach. I don't know. But Boston College, Georgia Tech, Wake Forest, Oklahoma State, and Texas, that's all that I'm seeing for high major coaching changes. Is there another one that I'm missing that's obvious? It's always more than we think, though. It's right? going to be more than that, right. I'm wrong on that, clearly. Last year when I went into the, the coaching carousel, I predicted I think like 25 jobs would change, and I think the final number was like 55. <laughs> it's so hard to see it and who's going to be replacing it with basketball that the numbers are so different from a low major to a mid-major to a high major that we have no idea who's going to leave. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm trying to think just like theoretically here. I, I wonder if there could be some turnover at the bottom of the Big Ten just because maybe some athletic departments look around and go, well, who wow, that? have you seen how good the conference was this year? And we weren't even close. Like, we got to make a change. Uh, I, do I feel strongly enough to say you're wrong? Probably not, but I, I'd say that's where I would start. Yeah, I mean, even when we're going to wrap it up here really quickly because, I mean, we're still a month away from coaching carousel and it's kind of a stupid conversation to have right now. But, like, to your Big Ten point, I don't 
I don't see it. I mean, I thought Mark Turgeon was maybe on the hot seat going into the season. Clearly, that's not happening. Brad Underwood's not getting fired. Archie Miller's not getting fired. Fran McCaffrey's not getting fired. Juwan Howard's not getting fired. Obviously, Izzo. I, I thought that Richard Pitino maybe could get fired, but I don't think that's going to happen. Hoiberg's not going anywhere. Um, after well, Teddy Greenstein from the Chicago Tribune wrote about Chris Collins in the hot seat last week, I'm convinced that he's not going anywhere. Chris Holtman's not going anywhere. Pat Chambers not going anywhere. Matt Painter and Steve Peichel, they're not going anywhere at all. That's I, mean, I guess that's my, or Greg Gard too. That's kind of my point is that when you look, I don't see where other changes come. And that's why it stuck out to me that only maybe five high major coaches could be gone after the season. And that I don't have the list in front of me, but that you would think that's got to be some sort of record over the last 10, 12, 15 years, something like that. If it if it does stay at five or even near five, yeah, that would that would be pretty low. Are you convinced that Shaka Smart's gone? It's, it seems like he is, right? If you I, had to bet on it, a straight bet, even money. Even money? Yeah, I'd probably take it. Because I, I, I'm guessing it's not even money right now. I'm guessing with all the action that they've had to move the yes line to a favorite. Who replaces him? You're always so much better at this than me. Um, I'm riding the Greg Marshall train hard because they went after him, I don't know, when yeah, when they were getting Shaka five years ago or whatever. I think now that they have a competent AD... I think that the, you go after him and you Make write him, him an a blank offer check. You can't refuse. Yeah, you give him the five, six million dollars a year. I just don't see them rolling the dice on some mid-major. Here's here's maybe a, a more interesting question that I would need somebody from Texas to to weigh in on for me. How much does Texas care that Texas is good at basketball? Like, do they need a six million dollar basketball coach? It's one thing to want Greg Marshall and want to be good, but are they willing to to pay that level to to have? It's Texas interesting question because level? Texas basketball hasn't been at that level, and I that's why when people look back and with how well Rick Barnes has done at Tennessee, they're like, "Oh, how did Texas fire him?" Texas was very mediocre under Rick Barnes for almost his entire tenure. Like, it makes sense why they fired him. So, going back to your question. It's kind of like now how Texas football has been mediocre for so long. And even that blip that Texas football had in the mid-2000s, Texas basketball, even with that Final Four run, they don't really have that. So we don't even we don't even know. I mean, with how much college basketball and college football has changed over the last 10, 15, 20 years with new media deals and all this money, we don't even know what a good Texas basketball in this current college basketball environment looks like. So there might not even be an answer to that question. Yeah. They might not even know what it's worth. And I mean, I, I get that they went and got Shaka Smart, but Shaka Smart was like the number one coaching candidate there for a few years. Like everybody wanted Shaka One of the Smart. top over the last decade. Yeah. So I mean, he, he was didn't the take like a lot of like foresight or creative thinking or want to, to go get Shaka Smart, because literally every, I mean, the number of, of college teams that would have turned down Shaka Smart has got to be less than 10 or 15. So, who's in that, really quickly, who's in that group? Like, over the last 10 years of attainable, desirable, we'll just keep to mid-major, is it just Greg Marshall, Brad Stevens, Shaka Smart? Like, is that the top three? That's definitely the, the last top three, right? 10, 15, I mean, who, I can't even think of who else would even be close to that. I guess Mark Few, but... He did, he's obviously not attainable. Right. That's why you put Shaka Smart, and that's why it's so funny to, to have people criticize him. Yeah, I'm among those that criticize him McDermott because he deserves maybe? it. No, nah, I don't think so. He had he had a year or two. Well, I'm not saying he's in the same class as those other three. But guys, I think but... what he how he flopped at Iowa State put him down the rung 
Okay, significantly. All right, let's call it. Chase, always a pleasure. I'll be back soon. Hopefully Chase is kind enough to give us some more time soon. Until then, if you missed any episodes, uh, last week was a fun one. I mentioned that one earlier. Graham Couch of the Lansing State Journal breaking down the Michigan State search. I didn't think that one would have any shelf life, but now that they have botched this search pretty badly, we're sitting here a little over a week later, and that uh, episode is still very relevant. Also, David Shaw on that one. All those are available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, uh, Stitcher, anywhere you do your podcasting. Andrew Dowdy, Chase Kitty, thanks for dropping by the High Motor Podcast. I saw a friend today, it had been a while, and we forgot each other's name. But it didn't matter cause deep inside The feeling still remained the same We talked of knowing one before you've met And how you feel more than you see And other worlds that lie in spaces in